0: hello my name is Xavier Mercado and this is spearhead conversations today I'm joined by special guest Tommy G Tommy G is a boots down YouTube content creator that documents around the U.S. some of the the most most brutal gruesome type areas Um, with that his whole mission and and trying to bring awareness to certain areas, certain stories, he's uh, he's made quite a name for himself. Um, I'm proud to have him with me. He's yeah, uh, yeah. I've watched his content, and uh, we reached out, and he uh, he surprisingly answered. So uh, without without further ado,
1: how you doing, Tommy? Good man. Life is amazing. We're trying to bring people the craziest documentaries on the internet and show people the underworld, what's really happening in the country, whether it's, you know, Skid Row, the one of the scariest places I've ever been, to the to the trenches, to what's going on in Washington, DC. So we got our plateful working on stories that hopefully the people enjoy and makes them more aware of what the hell is happening in this country.
0: Yeah, man. I, I'm 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 thoroughly impressed, bro, because some of those areas I I came across you uh, on YouTube and it was a story you did on St. Louis. Um, I just found out you did a part two for that. That that should be coming out. Um, Yeah. And with that, I I mean, once I started watching your content, it's kind of like, no, you can't take your eyes off. It's it's pretty crazy that some of the lifestyle these people live, man. It's definitely
1: been eye-opening. We just got back from St. Louis because unfortunately they're ranked again as the number one murder rate city in the country. And you're talking to 11-year-old kids with, with guns and, and not not just like a little tiny pistol, but like a crazy gun that you can see, like, I don't know what they call it, the double drum on it. Yeah. And they're ready to go. Yeah. And so it's it It's fascinating to see what is reality for some people, for yeah. some people, and, and uh, that's what we're here to discover.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's what I respect the most uh, It's the fact that people don't, they wouldn't prefer, they have their opinions about the content you create, but at the same time, this is reality. This is just a reality you don't get to see. So um, I'm happy you're here, man. And uh, with that, let's jump in. Cool. Let's do it. All right. So where were you born? Crystal Lake, Illinois. Crystal Lake, Illinois. Yeah. Okay, so t- tell me about Crystal Lake. Were you there long? Were you Crystal Lake, I
1: grew up, I, I actually grew up in Schaumburg my first four years, then we moved to Crystal Lake. But Crystal Lake is the most white bread suburban place you <laughs> could probably imagine. Like, there's, it's got the Applebee's, it's got the Red Lobster. Yeah. It was a nice childhood, good place to grow up, thriving sports. Like, a lot of people were moving there, so we always were crushing it on, like, football and wrestling and baseball. It was very competitive. It was just a great place to, to grow up.
0: yeah. What, what hobbies were you
1: into growing up? What hobbies? So uh, yeah. I started wrestling when I was 10, but I spent a lot of my childhood going to different ponds. We had a, a pond near my house. I'd try and mm-hmm. catch snapping turtles and frogs, and we would fish a lot and uh, go to tree forts where there's like... <laughs> it was built by kids, so like, it was five-story tall tree fort, but it was like 20 feet because like you're just crouching around, and there's nails sticking out everywhere, and the like, kids go to the top of it to, to piss off the top, you know, like lighting off <laughs> bottle rockets just getting into kind of innocent
0: trouble yeah for sure man so when did you um make that that leap to milwaukee when did you move to milwaukee how long have you been in milwaukee i've been in milwaukee
1: eight or nine years now eight or nine years so i i was recruited to go wrestle at whitewater and i finished my career there so i went to college there i wrestled there and then after that it was looking for job offers in madison milwaukee and i Found a job in Milwaukee and I've been here ever since.
0: Yeah. What what job was that? So I was a
1: I was a payroll small business consultant for a a company called Paychecks. And I got assigned to some of the craziest zip codes in Milwaukee. And that's got me what got me comfortable with kind of what I'm doing now. Mm. That was the beginning part of it. Was I was in five three two oh six on thirteenth and Burleigh talking to daycares, home health cares, gas stations, restaurants and Talking to the business owners and helping them pay their employees and do their taxes was yeah. kind of what I helped them with.
0: So being here in Milwaukee, like you've grown accustomed. Is it home now? This is oh, a yeah. home base for you? A 100%. Yeah, man. Um, shit, I, I've been here six months. I was six months when we moved to Milwaukee. Um, but outside of that, how? what type of crowd did you roll with growing up?
1: I would say... Like a band, like so when I was a kid, I was with just a band of kids that wanted to, you know, play sports, run around the neighborhood, get muddy.
0: Yeah. Probably just a regular ragtag group of kids. So, yeah, with that, you know, now you're in Milwaukee. Now this is kind of the home base. You Mm -hmm. have your own family. You're married, right? Married with a kid on the way. Kid on the way. How's that for you? It's beautiful and scary at the same time. It is. It it truly is. I have a three year old right now, but I have four all together. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a job. <laughs> I'm excited,
1: but I'm also aware that things are going to be changing for good. And it's going to be tough too. Like, I think it's going to be a real big challenge, but it's also going to be real beautiful. Like to be able to take this kid, you know, when, let's say he's six months old, I'm walking him in the woods, like showing him what a tree looks like yeah, and for sure. like playing with the dog, like all those little things I'm excited to to share with him.
0: It's definitely, man, fatherhood is a blessing. It's, uh, saved my life. It it turned me Turned me away from things I was getting into, and it really put perspective. Um, you know, other than that, you know, it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. But So how did you get into YouTube uh, content creating? I started probably all the
1: way back in high school. We made a jackass video. I made basketball trick shot <laughs> videos. I made a little video of pranking my neighbors where we had an electric mouse, and we'd have them play a computer game, and we filmed them getting zapped by the mouse. So I've always been interested in like entertaining or making people laugh or, um, just diving into the content space. But then I started making music videos when I was in college, and then I transitioned to prank videos when I was a little bit older. And then just in this last year or so, I've really hit the ground running on documentaries.
0: Yeah, and 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 talking about documentaries, you did something in Milwaukee that. I mean, it caught the nation's attention. Um, It was a story you did on the Kia Boys.
1: Yes. I didn't even know it was a nationwide thing until afterwards. But then once it got published, I had news reporters from Seattle, Fort Worth, Texas, Baltimore. I mean, so many different cities around the country started reaching out and being like, yeah, the same thing's happening here. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think there's little teenagers out there, or some of them not even teenagers yet, that are out there jumping into kias driving crazy and running like imagine being a 12 year old pulling up to your middle school being like yep this is my stolen car <laughs> I, hey girls you guys want to come hop in with me i'll take you yeah. to mcdonald's like it's a wild world
0: it's crazy and and, and and you know when that story broke i mean Kias are still being broken into but you know it's sad it's sad and and with that you know, um, how was it when you covered that story? Um, like when I was actually there physically? Physically, boots down, as you put it. Um, There's a state of disbelief.
1: I mean, you're talking to kids and they're talking like this is completely normal, acceptable, okay. Like it doesn't bother them at all that someone just lost their car and they might not have insurance or they might not be able to pay rent to, and they might not be able to get to their job. It's kind of like to think that for some kids it's just their entertainment. Like, oh, I'm bored. I'm, you know, this is what we do to keep ourselves. Inter- is, interested is just—it's baffling, and it's like it's almost like it feels like a something from a movie. It doesn't even feel real.
0: Yeah, I, when I saw that story, I was just in awe. Like, one, how, are, why would you guys ever do an interview about? You know what I mean? It, it's in my head. That's what went through. Like, why would you ever talk about it? One, why would uh, the kids agree to show? Yeah, why would you? But then again, that that shows the the age. That shows. Oh, I want to be glorified for this and not realizing how you said this is somebody's life. Like, I also think it? no
1: one had any idea that it was going to take off like it yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was going to totally bomb cuz have been putting out prank videos. I just had started getting into documentaries. I'm like, I don't know if anyone even cares about this. Like I thought it was only a Milwaukee thing. I didn't re- like so when it took off as fast as it did, it was surprising to me too. I was yeah. like, holy shit, like we're, we're onto something here. Like the pulse of the people are like, people are interested. They're, it's, they're engaged in this. And also I think there's an appetite to see the underworld, to see, because it feels, a lot of people feel like this country probably since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, like you look at different pockets, like San Francisco, where you can just, if you steal under a thousand dollars worth of stuff, the po- the police aren't even gonna show up or care about it. Yeah. And so, like, we're getting into like, there's always been lawlessness. Like we've had the Prohibition, we've had outlaws as long as the world has been around. There's been outlaws, but I think seeing how blatant these kids are, I think is fascinating to people. And then there's so many questions that come with it. Like this kid once started out as a cute little baby. Like what happened in his life to get to the point where like it's not an issue to to take someone's car. And there's so many different factors and questions that it brings about that I think... Is important for us to think about for sure.
0: Do you feel like that Kia Boy story is what uh, set you into to pursuing the documentary side of of what you do now? I
1: think that was the piece that made it undeniable that this is the path. This is where I should be chasing and to fully commit to that. Because I mm-hmm. had my, you know, I was in the corporate world and I was doing these prank videos, and then I started doing these documentaries. And then once I got fired from my corporate job, it was like. This is a, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like this is a sign. Like chase it, go after it. So I gave myself six months uh, to chase documentaries full time. And if I didn't, we wasn't making a certain amount of money. I told my wife, okay, I'll get a real job. Oh, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to just be a drain on the family, you know. And yeah. she let me chase after it. And now it's become a career.
0: Man, to be honest with you, your wife is sounding like mine because uh, without her this wouldn't be possible yeah a hundred percent you know i I ended up leaving my job and now this is uh, pursuing a business side of it um it's it's that that belief you know and it's great when it's your best friend oh my wife
1: is unbelievable and my life is in such a beautiful place i mean together because of how our relationship is so she's a huge part of behind the scenes
0: well let's do this for her (laughs) shout out sweet cheeks shout out to the wives (laughs) yeah a hundred percent uh man so you have you have a wife you have one on the way yeah these are dangerous areas that you're stepping into yeah how do you prioritize your safety when you cover these areas
1: (sighs) uh that's becoming more and more difficult because as the channel gets more and more known you know before i would pull up and i'd be with the crew but now like everyone's advertising like before i show up to a city i'll be like on the, the guys, that my contacts, like, they'll put on their story, oh, we about to have Tommy G in the build, like, and so now all these eyes that are, like, it's just a lot more risk factor because that's wow. the biggest fear. Is not that the guys that I'm meeting with, I'm not worried about at all. They want me there. We're having a good time. We're, we're, we're giving them a platform to share their story so they see value yeah. in that. I'm not worried about them. What I am worried about is who are they beefing with last night yeah. or last week and now all of a sudden I'm going to get caught up in some nonsense that I wasn't even a part of in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, you're in these spots that, you know, just in, like, like where we were in St. Louis, every car that's passing by, if they don't know whose car that is, they're concerned and they're ready to point a gun yeah. at that car. And it just takes one time for something crazy to happen. And so it, I am interested to see, because I know when the when baby comes out, that things are going to change that I won't even be able to comprehend or explain and I won't be able to know until it actually, I cross that line into yeah. having the baby. So I don't know. I don't know how things are going to change. I do want to be the guy that goes boots on the ground. And this is the way that I'm going to put food on the table for the family. And so mm-hmm. I'm I'm still going to be covering stories. I'm still going to be getting myself into risky situations, but it's about the calculated risk. Yeah. How can I, you know, it, I tell the all, especially in these really gangster areas, hey, no one goes live while I'm here. Um, like no one points guns at my cameraman, just little things to try and keep it together. But so those
0: are the, uh, how would you say the precautions you take before you go in?
1: I haven't really taken that many precautions up until like, I've just really, yeah. I mean, I guess my precaution would be this, um, making sure that the contact I'm meeting up with has a good reputation in the city and making sure that they're, they're not in a lot of hot active beefs. Cause I'm not trying to, and I don't stoke the flame of beef. I never talk to guys about like, all right, man, talk your shit. Like, yeah. you know, I never, I never try and stoke those flames because one, uh, I don't want to invite that into the world. Like, I'm a peacemaker at heart. And it makes me sad to see all the beef because, from an outsider looking in, when I see, oh, like the ops, they live a block away. You guys would be friends in any other world. Like, if you guys weren't brought up in a world that was so violent and chaotic, you guys would be playing sports together. You guys would be doing hopscotch, whatever it is. There's no reason. Like, the only reason you guys don't like each other is because there's like this blood feud that's been going on for generations mm. and like you kind of inherit that as a kid oh this guy shot my uncle he shot this guy he shot that guy so all of a sudden you just you have to inherit the beef yeah to be cool with your crew and to protect yourself and then it's the cycle that just keeps perpetuating so just it's very frustrating and sad to witness because it seems avoidable but you'd have to almost put like a pause and like is re it, like erase people's memories it? so it's you know it's going to keep continuing
0: it's sad man um, how do you assure the authenticity and accuracy of the stories you're covering?
1: Uh, I would say, well, one, there's nothing staged. There's nothing set up. Um, uh, it's about asking the right questions and that's how you, you get to know who people are. Like a good question is like a mirror to the soul, you know? And so my job is to go there, ask questions, get a feel for who they are, ask them. I want I want to make them laugh, but I also want to ask them tough questions too, uh, I mean, it depends on who the person is. Like, if I'm talking to a fentanyl dealer, I gotta say, like, on the scale of good of evil and an evil, where do you put yourself? And or if I'm talking to a pimp, like, how are you bossing up? Like, he will be like, "Oh, I'm bossing up the females. How are you bossing them up if you're taking all the money and they're doing all the work?" Mm-hmm. So I think there is a fine line. It's like a tightrope that you want to balance on. Of like, I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm not here to. I don't have any preconceived agenda. Like that's what mainstream media gets wrong all the time. Is and I've I've dealt with this myself. They'll have their story written before you even talk to them, and they just want you to say the things that are going to fit their narrative. Wow. I don't have a forced narrative. I'm I'm boots on the ground. I'm on the fly. I don't have a huge production crew. I don't have a like 15 people whole like it's it's just where wherever we go in the story is where we go. Yeah. So I think that's what assures, and that's that's why I have all these. Like I'm getting myself into really crazy situations. And I think it's because I've built the trust of the audience that mm-hmm. this is, this is what it is. There's nothing, there's no smoke and mirrors. There's nothing behind the scenes. Like this is the story. And that's why I get all these connections around crazy areas.
0: Well, your stories range. I, I There was another episode where you, you were in Las Vegas with the mole people. Yeah. The underground mole people. The underground mole. And that, you know, it's just a different, um, it's a different outlook. Um, what do you what type of impact when you go to these cities do you hope to make when you leave Mm -hmm. because you're spending quite a lot of time with these people to create this purely authentic you know content yeah i think i think it's to
1: one have a larger conversation so it could be like hey how do we handle homelessness in this country? How do we handle gang violence in this country? What should our gun laws be? So I think to get people thinking about these questions, but really I think it's to get a human side to the story. And this might sound out of pocket, but I'm not kidding you. Like I have a fentanyl dealer in my phone right now that I like the guy. I think he's a good guy. Like I think I enjoy being around him, but I also know that he contributes to overdose deaths and but he's just like a small player in like a, a huge, uh, you know, there's a lot of chains in this story. There's the Chinese that are manufacturing it, the Mexicans that are uh, bringing it across the border. They're, like there's so many people that play a role in this yeah. story. And I guess that's what I'm learning is like even someone that you might think is a total piece of shit, they're still a human. They still have wants, needs, and they. a lot of these people have really crazy backstories too. Like the pimp I was talking to, his aunt- who was a prostitute taught him the game of how to pimp or a prostitute. We talked to the dad was a pimp. The mom was a stripper and prostitute like no shit. She's a prostitute. Yeah. So I think like, and if you look at the Chicago pimps and prostitutes episode, the, like the comment section is so powerful because people are cheering for the, the prostitute's name. She goes by baby everyone is cheering for her rooting for her wanting her to find her way and encouraging her to become more mm-hmm. and that she is capable of that and it's like that to me like it could have been everyone's like you know dissing her like oh you're you are you have you have bad morals or you're doing this or that And f- instead people saw the humanity in her and that that to me was like man we hit the mark on this story like that that's i feel good about that
0: yeah how do you balance portraying the reality while respecting the people you're covering
1: there are questions that are scary to ask, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, hey, man, like, you're rapping, like, you're doing the drill music. I don't know how many bodies are attached to your crew. Like, one, I don't try and ask, I, I never want to ask anything that's incriminating. So, like, I keep it high level. But also, like, are you, can like, you're talking about you want your city to be better, but your rap is like, I just bodied this guy, this guy, this guy. Like, how are you contributing to it? Um... I guess it's that balance of asking the humanitarian questions like, what is your childhood like? What do you want for your crew? When you make it big, what do you want to happen? Like, and letting them express very positive things. Cause even the most crazy game strapper I've talked to pretty much wants nothing more than to take his crew out of the hood, give their mom a house and live a normal life. But at the same time, like you got to talk to guys that are like actively participating in, what's tearing apart apart the city that like you got to ask him the tough questions of like, what role do you play in this?
0: Yeah. What is, uh, what has been most eye opening for you when you, you traveled to these dangerous areas? Man, there's so many different ones. I'll start with, uh, the
1: zone in Phoenix. It was kind of the, the skid row of Phoenix and just seeing like someone just walking around with handful of fentanyl and like people that are, it's almost like a subhuman community like the way people are living like how grimy and dirty and chaotic it is Uh, i guess seeing the impact of drugs on communities Mm -hmm. like it is undeniable that meth and fentanyl and crack and trank and all these different things like it changes a person permanently Mm -hmm. like there's things that people can't come back from and i think that's important for people to see cuz i think when you're younger you feel invincible you think oh, i could just try this i'm not, i'm going to be fine uh but then seeing what takes place and seeing how like a person is living willing to live in a tent on the street even though they have access to like a lot of these places have shelters that would mm-hmm. give them a, a room for free but they'd rather be on the street doing that drug like that to me is eye opening that to me is like worth pondering and thinking about
0: i just came back from LA what'd you think and, and it was not what I thought I thought it was going to be glorified I thought it was going to be you know this place of awe but instead it was it was sad drug drug addiction and you know homelessness it overruns yeah. the city and you know it's, it's we all have decisions and I'm I'm not here to judge anyone mm-hmm. but to see how it is gotten out of control in the way it is when you have tent cities and there's a daycare right next door imagine dropping your kids off there while i was there um yeah fox 11 i think it was interviewed me on a story about that and it was it's like whoa is this reality is is this what's really happening right now um it's it's the, the reason why, and I'll say I respect the content that you put out, while most can't digest it, that is still the reality of what people are living. Mm-hmm. And you're just giving this this eye-opening experience that, you know, these are things to pay attention. These are things that organizations based off of watching your content can come in and, and try to diffuse the type of um, – you know violence that goes out in these these um, neighborhoods the the, what you put out can be used in such a positive way to to create change and I think when you're doing and you're documenting the stories it's it's a bit controversial yeah right you know you have people who have heavy opinions and the way they think about you I'm pretty sure you've dealt with your critics but it's it, it, what I respect is is that this is reality. We can't put a veil over and act like this isn't happening, you know. So you've been at this for quite a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, how has this impacted your life outside of, you know, just outside of doing the content, your life with your family, has it impacted? Have you had people come up to you? Have you, you know have you been you know basically tracked down to to give a a statement of any sort or are you asking
1: from a police standpoint or from like a notoriety standpoint or
0: well just from from being living your your normal life outside of of your content creation how's it impacted
1: i would say a few things one the overwhelming majority of my interactions whether it's people that see me outside in the street or it's people that see my videos online, the overwhelming majority of the feedback is very positive. And so like, I have a lot of fun interactions. Like uh, a guy that just started at the jiu-jitsu gym is like, oh, Tommy G, like I, I know you from your videos and he's training there now and he's becoming, like he's training to become a fighter. And it's like, that to me is really cool to be a part of. Um, I would say that it, it does invite a little bit more paranoia as far as one, like being uh, unrecognizable is kind of a luxury. Like it's nice to just go wherever you want during the day and not have to think about if somebody recognized me positive or negative, how it could go down. Um, I would say like the, the elements of covering some of these really crazy topics too, is like you want to be very careful because like we just covered a group of gangster disciples out in Kansas city. They had a meetup from uh-huh. a, a statewide meetup where they had 40 guys or so. And it was actually a very positive interaction. Like, I know they're known for really bad things. The question, like what they talked about, you couldn't get upset with them. Like they were talking about the importance of fatherhood and don't, don't shit on people for nine to fives. Like we want our guys to be working and supporting their family. Like everything they were saying was like, I agree with you.
0: Well, a lot of the gangs that we have, you know, these throughout the U.S., they were they were founded on structure. They were founded on principles.
1: Um, And these are, these are, they're founded in places that need structure. We all need structure in our life and you can find it in a lot of different ways, whether you go to the military or you're at a gym or Mm -hmm. we need that to be healthy human beings. We need structure. But I think like you were talking about like, what are some of the the pitfalls or what are some of the things that I have to consider now? Like Mm -hmm. a big part of it is anything sketchy I do. I send a copy of the video to the people in the video mm-hmm. and make it okay with it because yeah. I'm back in Milwaukee when, when everything's said and done, I like, I don't have to deal with repercussions. So I want to make sure like if a contact, we just had a contact hit me up that wants to show me taking illegal immigrants from Texas to deeper within the United States. And mm-hmm. I would be in the van filming it. And like, there's so much to think about there. Like one is, uh, I never want anyone to get in trouble because they're going to share their story. So like, how do the legality, like, do we have to blur your face? Do we have to alter your voice? So sending it to them to make sure they feel comfortable is very important to me. The mm-hmm. other thing is, like, let's say that's it's the Ill- illegal immigrant story. There are people that are saving up. There's there's people working in factories right now that are sending money back home to try and bring their family to America. Is me being in the car going to bring attention to the car? Like, if, the, if, if Border Patrol stops us and, and catches the whole group— like, I don't want to be part of that. I want those people to get where they're going. Yeah. And so, like, there's just things you have to consider of, like, protecting your sources. I guess that's the biggest thing is making sure that your sources are protected. And I would say, like, that's the reason why I keep getting all these leads to crazy places is because I've done an amazing job of protecting my
0: sources. How, how do you feel you, this experience is, is it, has it changed you as a person? Has it, what has it done for you in a, in a in a positive manner do you feel like wisdom that you've gained from doing these stories? Well,
1: I would say one positive thing is that I feel like I have found my calling. I've spent years in jobs where I'm like, this is not, this is not what I'm meant to be Mm -hmm. doing. So like finally be in a place where I'm like, I'm a hundred percent in on this thing. I'm passionate. I'm excited. Like every day I'm like, I have the best job in the world. And like, it's, okay, what, what are we going to track down this time? Like, what's the story we can get into? Oh, we're going to Houston next? What are four different interesting stories in that area we can cover? And then, like, how do we find those contexts? Like, to me, it's... uh, And and then, like, and then there's a ripple effect because I get to share these experiences with an audience. As many people that want to see it on YouTube get to yeah. ch- tune in and see it. And we get to have kind of a big conversation about homelessness or gang violence or whatever it is. You know, we just dropped one about... Uh, investigating corruption in washington dc and that to me was a piece that i'm very I was proud just of there last weekend, <laughs> and it's like our government has been screwing us for so long like to be able to get in there and just peek a little bit behind the curtains and then bring that back to people like i get so much satisfaction out of doing that and i'm mm-hmm. like it's very uh, and also to be that this is my career like incredibly grateful and lucky and just feel like wow like I'm happy for my life.
0: Isn't that a great feeling? Yeah, because yeah, with this this whole thing I got going, I feel like I finally found my calling. There's nothing anyone could tell me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pursue the stories that I pursue. Um, what um, you know, you do a lot of this. This what have been some of your your favorite stories that you've you've covered?
1: I think it's the a lot of times it's the story that like once we get back in the car and we're safe, it's like. Dude, we were doing that? Like, we were there? I think uh, one that I always highlight is getting raided by Mexican police in Mexico. Like, the fact that we didn't die, the fact that we're okay. Damn. So we were interviewing a guy named Hostage, and while we were interviewing him, three Mexican police comes in, masks up, rifles up, and no, piso la verga, getting on the fucking ground. And we got on the fucking ground, dude. Like, it was just... And then... Like and then when they left and we continued the interview, we got to talk to people that's witnessed it. Like neighbors came from all around to like, are you guys okay? Are you guys okay? Like, to bring that back to the people and share it with them was like, holy shit, dude! Like, yeah, how? Like, I think making the one of one pieces and it doesn't always have to involve danger, but danger makes the niche less crowded. Like, less people are willing to do that. Like, if we can pull something off that not many people can pull off, it feels like almost like a Houdini, like a magic trick. Like we were able to like escape the manacles before the water filled up, you know, like that to me is uh, exciting. Um, And then I think why I'm proud about the Washington DC one is I have really good connections. I've had really good success getting into the underworld. I want to cover the buttoned up side of life too. So like to be able to talk to a U.S. Senator or go into think tanks that are, you know, some of the people we were speaking to in Washington were part of this group of top 500 most influential people in Washington DC. So yeah. like to go from talking to a pimp to talking to you know one of the best lawyers in America that mm-hmm. works in DC is like okay cool like I want my doors to be infinitely open. I want to be think about any story that sounds interesting to me and be able to go cover that. And mm-hmm. sometimes covering the crazy shit that's definitely closed doors. Like there's a lot of stories that I probably would want to have covered that people are like once they see my channel, they're like, "Ah, this isn't a good fit for us." Or your brand's a little too edgy mm-hmm. for us to want to sit down with you.
0: Yeah, man. Well, you know, you you feel it. You could tell you you're good at what you do. Thank you. I will. I'll give you that. You're you're definitely good at what you do. Um, where do you see this going in the next five? I have
1: like just from a car ride that we were when we were coming home on the last road trip. We probably made 150 ideas to cover. That's Mm -hmm. three years worth of content. I see this going until I can't go no more. I mean, until it doesn't excite me anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, to me, it's just like, how can I, I guess another aspect of it is I really want to uh, launch the merch side of it. I want to, like, so this is a a piece that I'm working on. If you look at YouTuber merch, it's usually like a black shirt, white letters, pretty basic, and that's okay. There's a time and place for that, but I want to put out, pieces that when people are rocking it and walking around, they're like, they feel part of a community. Um, so working on the merch line is really important to me, making sure that hits and that makes an impact. Um, just the different areas of business that you can grow. And I'm working on an uncut website where the stuff that YouTube won't let me post, people are going to have an opportunity to watch that. And so like, where do we go with that? And what can we bring the people there? And, um, there's just so many things. There's an endless, like there's an endless amount of things that I can juggle and think about. Um, as far as a community impact, I'm really thinking of ways that I can funnel money into Milwaukee wrestling, particularly in the toughest neighborhoods. How can I funnel money that I can renovate an entire wrestling room, new mats, new wall mats, a rope that they can climb, pull up bars? How can I leverage that? Because that's the, that's the sport that changed my life. That's the sport that gave me the confidence to go into a lot of these places. Like, Obviously, I'm not winning against a gun, but against a lot of people on the street, I'm pretty damn comfortable. Yeah, I want and that that confidence. I want and that work ethic. That's the other thing is that that's probably the most important thing is the work ethic that people can learn from that sport. I don't think there's a harder sport in America. Maybe fighting MMA, but like even fighters don't want to do wrestling practices because yeah. they know how much of a grind it is. Um, I want to try and bring that to the city and especially with young men, put them in a world-class facility that they feel good about training in and they give give them something that's greater than themselves to chase after. Hey, you could be the next state champ from Milwaukee, man. Like, but you got to work for it and then see where that kid's life goes. Mm -hmm. From Just talking about that, dude. Like, I'm I'm so passionate about how the sport of wrestling can change the city and I'm passionate about how I can be a force that brings about some of that Mm -hmm. movement. And I know there's going to be other people that we bring in to do that, but um, that to me is exciting.
0: That's awesome to hear, man cuz you know like i said it, it's it, it's pretty insane what you the type of work you, you get it. it's like going into a war zone bro yeah
1: <laughs> it's fucking scary sometimes
0: <laughs> yeah. dude like we're like we're in a bando
1: in St. Louis and we have little kids that are being the uh you know watching Legouts. the corners Legouts. and like and then you have the other guys like grown men with huge guns that are i'm probably selling crack i don't know exactly what they are selling but like like they have a choke point where you have to pass back go past them to keep moving and it's just like holy shit like this is so many people will never see what this is like but on the flip side is like to the guys living there like they don't when I try and be like just so you guys know like you guys know that this is like this isn't normal right like it's normal to you because you're in that but like most people would be terrified around here or would be like totally in disbelief that this is happening every day and like they're so entrenched in that world that they're like, this This is everyday life. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this isn't a big deal. I'm not
0: scared. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> like, no, for sure. You know? How was it for you when you first seen one of your videos go off? Because your videos are ranging from 800,000 to 1. 1.5, 1. 1.7 million views. Yeah, How we just that? had
1: one from two weeks ago that's at like three and a half million. And that, we I think the Kia Boys are at 6.7. Like, there are videos that are just like, they get shot out of a man, cannon. Look
0: at me, man. <laughs> And oh yeah.
1: So I mean, it's it's really exciting because it's like okay, like we hit, we hit, we we're on the pulse with with some of these pieces. Like there's a reason people are tuning in, and I think as long as like I can ask the best questions I possibly can that reveals behind the scenes or the emotion or the humanity behind it, like that that's where like my biggest thing is. Like there's been shoots where I'm like in the car, I'm like ah, oh, I missed it, dude. Like there's a few questions that were such layups that I was just too in the moment of like doing what I had to do to think about it but I wish like that's where I keep like wanting to improve and, and yeah. we as a crew like every shoot on the car ride back to the Airbnb or back home it's like what went right what went wrong what can we improve on where do we miss what do mm-hmm. we do well on and just thinking how we can keep making our stories better
0: now you know this is the work you do this is the work you find passionate yeah. what do you want people to know about you about who you really are.
1: I would say that I'm a peacemaker. Uh, I'm always a guy that's I'm a compromiser. like I want to figure out how can people come together? How can we unite? And that's what's really, really missing in this country is we're, we have an endless amount of reasons, especially fueled by mainstream media like are you like man versus woman, gay versus straight, black versus white, Republican versus Democrat? And when you actually step out into the community and talk to people, we're so much more alike than we are different. So it's like I want to help bridge the gap with people. I want to help bring people together. And I think maybe something that people wouldn't guess by watching my stuff is my everyday life is pretty relaxed and maybe boring. You might say, like I am. I wake up at six forty-five and I walk my dog with my wife. And we, I, I go to bed by reading a book. And I go to jujitsu practice. And I'm working on my computer. And I'm petting my dog and running. Around, like. I don't live I'm not going to the club. I'm not bond. I don't kinda Rolls Royce. Like I live a pretty ordinary mm-hmm. life.
0: There you go. What advice would you give to our inner city youth? You've seen Damn. a lot. You've seen a lot. So yeah.
1: Realize that your life is important and so is everyone else around you. Like no life is bring back the sacredness of life. Like you only this this life, especially as we're getting older, you know that like, how fast time starts moving Mm -hmm. the older you get the quicker the time of life flows by oh for sure so know that you are here and you have one opportunity to make an impact to make things better and i believe it's every human's job to try and make the world a little bit better whatever the little neck of the woods you're in the little pot of water you can boil boil that for the good of people and so and also know that like there's a whole wide world beyond what you see i know what you see day to day is crazy i know you've seen a lot of traumatic things but like find something you love doing it and just throw yourself into it dedicate yourself to it and know that things are possible um like i think i think a lot of the kids in the hood think that the world doesn't want to see them win they like there's like this us against the world kind of attitude and i would challenge that like i think a lot of people do like i don't think people want the hoods to be as crazy as they are i don't like even suburban people that are like we need law and order around here. Like even those type of people that you think might be your enemy, I think they want you to win. They want you to do well. They want you to have a safe, nice life too. Yeah. So I think just realizing like, and and figure out, like be very careful as who you pick as your mentors. Like if you're, the guy you look up to is like the guy that talks about popping people all the time. He's probably not the right guy to look at. But like, I know tons of guys in the hood right now. Like one of my really close friends is, like just killing it in real estate right now. Used to be in the streets, was about that life. And now he's like, he's what got me into real estate. The mm-hmm. first place I ever got, he he showed me and, and like showed me how to do it. Like he gave me so much knowledge that is going to change my life. So like find the people that are going to get you to really, re- where you really want to be. Don't find the people that are going to, if you follow their roadmap, their blueprint, you're going to end up in jail, prison or dead. Find yeah. the guy that's going to be like, I'm going to end up successful, happy, safe, comfortable follow that guy
0: man well i i appreciate you coming on of course man it's you know to get this insight um i feel like this was a daring interview because it's it's so different from from the rest mm. um but i feel it's so important it's so important to to get these type of stories out yeah because people like to live with a A veil over their eyes like this isn't happening but it is yeah um i appreciate you coming on thank you you know um i it's it's man i i i really respect what you do so based off of that man um thank you again
1: parting words my parting words for the people yeah read as much as you can Like there's a book called Evicted that's written about Milwaukee that I think gives an amazing perspective of what's happening. But learn and love. Like the more we can try and love each other and find common ground, even the fentanyl dealer, like how can we love him through this situation? This guy's now he's now a post office worker. Like he's found another path. So like love somebody, hold them to standards. Don't just let yourself get walked over. Don't just let crazy shit happen without consequences. But try and love people to their next chapter.
0: Yeah. With that being said, thank you again. Um, It's been a pleasure talking to you, getting to know you. And with that, Spearhead out.